if you, if you disappear, we're just going to keep going without you. Oh, no, you both disappeared. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 22nd. Um, if, you, if you're in the, in the greater central Virginia area, um, though I guess this uh, uh, I, you know, matters for Waynesboro and, and Loudoun, too. If you, if, you, if you just put your ear to the window, you can like hear fall actually arriving uh, in the in the wee hours um it's uh it's going to be uh fall come friday night when virginia hosts wake forest um i cannot tell you how unequivocally excited i am for the fact that maybe i actually won't sweat um for a game um but un, uh, it, there's no doubt that uh that that the, the the good times are ahead hopefully for the cavaliers after what happened to them in chapel hill um, things are going to turn back around in their favor. Uh, a really tough loss uh, in in Keenan, 59-39 um, to the Tar Heels. In a game that did not play out like, obviously, any of us expected, except for the whole, like, you know, both offenses kind of are, are going to, you know, put up some points. Um, we will recap that. We will preview Friday night's matchup with uh, the Demon Deacons. And honestly, I think we should spend a few minutes talking about Virginia's uh, recruiting class on, on the hoop side. Um, the Cavaliers land another four-star, Ryan Dunn. It's a top-five class nationally, um, and there's a whole lot to like that we haven't. I mean, we just haven't, you know, haven't been able to or had the time really to to dig into it. So, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in uh, Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty good for a rainy, rainy Wednesday. So if I disappear, folks, it's it's because I had to jump on the on the arc and head out. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. If he disappears, it's because he got called for targeting. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm loud and staff writer Justin Ferber's also on the program. What's going on, my dude? Hey, getting called for targeting passes for good defense, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, some weeks. Some weeks. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And in the greater Charlottesville area, actually Damon lives like a hop, skip, and a jump from the from the stadium, and I've never been more jealous than you know. I went to his, drove to his house that day, and I was like, "Dude, you, that this is nice." Uh, managing editor Damon Dillon, also on the program. How's it going, man? You're, you're uh, have you uh, have you um, adjusted back to you know what happens when you don't watch offenses just scoring a crap ton of points in front of you yet? Uh it, it like I've always been fascinated by. This modern culture where people like go on YouTube or go on Twitch or whatever and watch other people play video games. Right. That's what it felt like on Saturday night. It felt like I was watching somebody play a game of NCAA football. It it was just it was just back and forth. It was, yeah. It uh it was certainly an experience. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, I slept really well on Sunday night. Now I feel like I'm back to myself again. At Damon Dillman. 
And uh, Cavs Quarter also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional Woody banter. Um, uh, look, I you told me at halftime at 9.15 or whatever it was that uh, that, that thing was going to end up 59-39. I would have called you an absolute liar. Um, I, I Virginia coming back in that first half, taking the lead going into the break. Uh, Brendan Armstrong is just out there dealing. Um, he goes 39 of 54 for 554. Uh, the third most passing yards in league history. The fr- the best uh, night of any player at a, in a Virginia uniform, at least in terms of passing yards. Four touchdowns and a pick. Um, only ran for uh, eight times. He, he ended up, I, I guess, because of um, um, sack yardage, ended up with negative 16. Um, but of, U- of UVA's 574 yards, he had 553 um, I guess they gave Keaton Thompson a, a negative yard on his one um, pass completion. But anyway, the bigger problem, of course, is that North Carolina put, <laughs> I'm sorry, the stats are just so gaudy, it's, it's impossible to not talk about. 699 yards, 307 in the air, 392 on the ground, 21.9 per completion, 8.3 per rush. Um, I mean, it was... It was rough. Now, is that all? Yeah, and other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, obviously, the, the defense is the is the story, right? Um, and and on a night when a kid throws for five hundred and fifty yards, um, it shouldn't be the story, right? Kid throws for five fifty four, you should win the game. Hashtag analysis, right? But he wouldn't be thrown for all those yards if the that's a, now that's a fair point. You know, if you look at it, you look at the drive chart. Carolina did not punt. Um, <laughs> I think they you only, can just stop right there. That's they, that's all. You and need they to only know. and look of their um, of their twelve drives. Right, one ended at the first half. They only had the ball for six seconds, and then another one had an interception. They literally got points on every single one. All the other ten, they and missed the field goal too. The they, the oh yeah, that's right. That's right because they highlight the uh, the field goal even though it's uh, not. Actually would you Would you like to hear correct. the the drive summary for the second half? No, no. Touchdown, all TDs. Touchdown! 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 <laughs> touchdown! <laughs> Just a, drives, just a touchdowns. flock of TDs, Ugh. flock of just a flock of TV TDs. What 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 I found most interesting from a Virginia standpoint going forward in this game was we talked so much right in the preseason, heck in the spring and summer and stuff, right about the switch to the three three five. Now you guys tell me what you think on this. I got the sense that whatever Carolina was doing. It kind of didn't matter because UVA just literally didn't have any answer, no adjustment. It was almost like watching what they did to Illinois, where essentially Illinois had you know one check, and then once UVA got them there, they just you know just kind of kept them on the ropes. Dave, as I'm guessing, did you rewatch this one? You normally do, even the painful ones. Um, yeah, yeah. It took me right. a couple of days though. I'll be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. As you rewatched and you really sort of you know marinated. Um, I mean, heck, how do you marinate on something like this? But as you Painfully. as you went through it, a um, lot of lot of um, bourbon um, or beer. Um, bourbon bourbon's a good marinade. Yeah, right. Yeah. With uh, what 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 you saw, how how what would you how would you diagnose what happened in this game? And you you can't say something like well, they just got their butts kicked um, yeah. because we all know that. But in terms of like a from a you know an actual sort of schematic standpoint, what did you see? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I mean, Ferber kind of nailed it all today, but it 
you know, live and you all, if, if you rewatch games, you know what I'm talking about. Like what you remember at the end of a game after going through all the emotion of watching it versus what you see a couple of days later, knowing the outcome is always different. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative. Um, so when I heard Bronco in the post game and then I didn't rewatch the game, I started yesterday and finished today. I needed a half a day. It was all I could handle. Um, when I heard Bronco on Monday say, you know, when he went back and looked at the film, it was, he felt there was good, you know, it was guys were in place. It wasn't missed assignments. And for the most part, he was right. There were dudes there. They just couldn't tackle. Um, I mean, Ferber broke down so many, you know, the run game issues today, but even in the past stuff, it wasn't like when Carolina beat us before where they were 40 yards behind us, they were catching the ball in front of us and running by us. Um, that's concerning. And, but they were there. So, like, you know, at halftime, you know, I was like, what are they going to do to make the adjustments? And they made some tweaks, but look, you, all you can do, you, you can't have two guys on everybody. So you're going to have one-on-one. Sam Howell's really good at identifying them um, when he did pass the ball. And those guys are really good at making guys miss. And, you know, the three-three-five, and when we heard they were putting it in, you would circle a team like Carolina as one it would help you with, right? Exactly. But it didn't. It, it did didn't. not. Like, um, yeah, it definitely did not. But I mean, I think we're guilty. Like, it wasn't a great performance, but we have to realize, like, Carolina's done this to Virginia's defense for like three years in a row. It's just Virginia happened to win the other two. Yeah, and um, I think they were good at getting stops in those games, right? Like, you know, they the got whole idea they, of, they got more pressure. They did not get right. any pressure on Hal. And when exactly. the one play they really got pressure, what happened? They almost had a pick six, and it was yeah. the only inter- turnover of the game. So, yeah, it, K, you know, that chaos defense without chaos um, was kind of painful to watch, but. Yeah, like like I said, when you when you look at what they did in nineteen and twenty against us, it kind of just was that with them winning in the turnover battle. Ferber, when when you went to go break this thing down, did you learn anything as you started digging into it, or did it just really confirm for you everything you went in, sort of thinking you were going to see? Yeah, I mean, what Dave said is true. When you're watching the game in real time, um, I mean, if you're listening to this, we watch it the same way you guys watch it, right? I mean, you're just play by play you watch the ball you see what happens like the plays that i broke down in the film room i think there were 10 of them and there were like three or four that i scrapped of those 13 or 14 plays i probably watched them 10 times each um just trying to see like what each person involved did or didn't do um and there were definitely some trends and bronco kind of mentioned that in, on monday right i mean he said that he kind of wanted to look at trends and and see if there's you know, not just one mistake here or there, but something that could be corrected because it kept happening. Um, I have my notes still right in front of me from when I when I wrote the thing on Sunday. Here's what I have. Um, the defense is too spread out. So they switched to a 3-3-5. I think the real reason that they did that is one personnel, but two, you know, they got torched in the passing game last year. So they were trying to find a solution to that. Um, and, and more on that in a second. The second issue was tackling. Um, they just didn't tackle well. It was the worst tackling performance of the Bronco Mendenhall era from PFS point of view. Um, I can't say that I disagree with that. There was some bad tackling um, at the point of attack and then down the field. Um, I also have UNC won the halftime adjustments. So like when I watched the second half from a play calling standpoint, I think the big adjustment they made, they were like, hey, let's not let's not let them bait us into trying to go over the top where their defense is designed. UVA was basically playing from what I could tell 
a bend but don't break defense thinking and I, I completely understand the logic thinking you know what like the last couple of years how has crushed us over the top and that's how they've scored their points big passing plays down the field big passing plays that go into the end zone not just like create big yard gains um we're gonna cut that out by like playing off and make them go down the field and then hopefully like in the red zone we'll be able to sustain that obviously did not work in the second half or at halftime north carolina realized hey they can't stop the run so we can just bleed them keep them on the field and until they prove that they can get off the field there's no reason for us to go over the top and maybe throw an incomplete pass or even an interception or something we'll just make them defend the run and they can't do it um and that was a brilliant like halftime decision i mean they went completely towards the run in the second half um, and it worked out well. Another thing that it, it, I think this sort of is my overall thought um, is the small differences sometimes can have exponentially, like exponential results. So like, you know, in the NFL combine, how like a force 340 and a force mm-hmm, 640 mm-hmm, is like right. a massive gap. Right. That, that was on display. Yeah. So like when you miss a tackle and your defense is too spread out in a three three five, and then the running back is faster than everybody you have on the field, that's when it hurts you. Um, whereas like against, a, you know, like Wake has really good skill players, but Wake might not have as much speed. Maybe UVA gets gashed a little bit on the ground, but instead of giving up forty yards, they give up twelve um, because they get to the they make up for the mistake or whatever quicker those exponential errors cost them in the passing defense and the running defense. And I think mm-hmm. that was the biggest issue. And I think the three, three, five exacerbated it by yep. spreading people by spreading out everybody out. Right. And then, the, then, then, and then my last point is the offensive line just dominated the defensive line. There's just no other way to put it. Like yeah. when you watch the plays, they were just winning the, winning the battles. And what's crazy too, is that that was not an offensive line that came in humming. No, and they were hurt. Like they had injuries. Yeah. They had a bunch of guys before the game who weren't even. Yeah exactly possibly gonna play yeah um i feel like to ferber's point about you know the way they spread them out and you know if you think about it from carolina's point of view look carolina could do basically anything it wanted tar heels could throw they could run they weren't gonna you know virginia wasn't gonna get any pressure on um on how and the fact that they were able to to continually just run the ball so effectively um and and never really, you know, Virginia has never had an answer, right? Um, one of the one of the things that Bronco talked about, you know, when he was not necessarily, I don't want to say he was avoiding the three three five confirmation, but he was certainly kind of talking around it, right? And he talked about like, hey, we want to put the best eleven on the field. We want to be as multiple as possible. We want to be able to 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 adapt. That's the thing I didn't see. I I didn't see them doing a, you know, whether whether they were trying to and it just wasn't working. I don't know if this is a personnel thing. I don't know if this is guys, you know, a lack of communication thing. Um, I've just never seen a Virginia team that couldn't tackle to that level, even as bad as the military bowl was, it wasn't this bad. Um, and I, and I wonder how much of a, you know, when a guy runs 20 times for a buck 98 on you, when the quarterback from the other team who, I mean, I understand he's run for a hundred yards in two back to back weeks, but I don't think Sam Howell should be getting 112 on you. Um, when you give up, when the starting running back has two hundred, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like they got, they racked up three hundred ninety-two yards. You never put any pressure on him. There, there's going to be a hangover effect from that. Now, I think most people would expect that, you know, if you look at the staff, Damon, as you, as you, you know, as you look back at the years, 
historically speaking, they tend to do pretty well at fixing something one week to the next. Now, they don't always fix everything, but they usually fix the big somethings, right? What's the biggest something here? What's You pick your poison. Like, if you're Wake Forest and you're watching this Virginia team, how how would you attack them? You know, what's what do you feel like the biggest weakness is and the, what's the one that that needs the most shoring up right now? Yeah, and I think Bronco brought up – he had talked about this a little bit on Monday – uh chris wright i think it was asked him about you know just knowing you can't fix everything and how to how do you prioritize what you especially with a short week too that just makes it that much more of a challenge how do you prioritize what you try to fix and and the sense i got was obviously you guys as you had already mentioned just the tackling bronco mentioned that on monday just the tackling was just so and that is not what what that defense looked like in the first two weeks going into Chapel Hill. I don't think anybody saw the tackling being that kind of a being as problematic as it was on Saturday night. And, and then the other thing, obviously, is the big plays. And and I think uh, that was obviously something that that plagued them last year. And they spent so much time, devoted so much time, and put so much homework into figuring out how we're going to fix this defense and how we're going to minimize those big plays. And one of those solutions was pivoting to the three, three, five. And, and it's just, I, I do think a lot of the problem on Saturday night was the caliber of player that North Carolina had. And Bronco agreed with that when somebody asked him about that on Monday, that this, this, I mean, no disrespect to William and Mary or Illinois, but obviously North Carolina, some of the speed they had was just on a different level. I just, I knew things were going to be problematic from that first downs touchdown. Uh, I'm still getting used to sitting and watching in the press box. Um, I'm still getting adjusted from being on the sideline where you kind of see things through the, the limited scope of the viewfinder or the TV camera versus having that big wide view of the entire field from up in the press box. And I just remember that first touchdown to downs, it, you hear coaches, you hear offensive coordinators talk all the time about how we want to get this guy in space and let him make plays. Like that to me was the different definition of a guy in space. I think Cross was the safety who was nowhere to be found. Noah Taylor was trying to get there, but couldn't get there fast enough. And then obviously, so Downs was wide open. And then once he turned and started running, Noah Taylor was not going to catch him. Uh, like Ferber was talking about the difference in 40 times that play to me was the perfect illustration of the speed of the North Carolina skill players just just outmatching UVA and and so yeah so I I think I think some of it is a product of North Carolina's offense and this and the skill players and the speed that they had but I mean you can fix tackling you would hope and Bronco talked that Bronco talked on Monday about how you still have three quarters of the season still in front of you uh you can take some of the players we talked to after practice today said the same thing. You can take what you learn. Obviously it was painful, but you can take what you learn from a game like that and you can apply it and try to fix it the rest of the season. So I don't know. We'll see. Obviously they need to tackle better, but they also need to be able to catch up to some of these guys in order to tackle them. So the, I think it's a little column A and a little column B and I, you can't get faster in six days, uh, but you can, you, you can, <laughs> You can theoretically tackle better. Yeah, that, that, that's a technique thing. What's interesting to me, and and I don't know where you know. Look, maybe maybe this is like a, a you know one of those taboo sort of sacrilegious things you're not supposed to talk about. But 
one of the things that was evident last year when we talked about that secondary was that its experience didn't necessarily seem to always help, right? And even as that group went through the season, and, and I understand they were hurt and, and such, but I, I, I don't, you mentioned just a second ago, Damon did, you know, you don't get faster in six days. Do we expect to see the same faces in the same places um, as we saw last week on defense? Now, obviously, Wake Forest presents a very, you know, in some ways different animal, but they run a system and a lot, a lot of their system, you know, <laughs> relies on, you know, sort of making teams sort of, you know, pick their poison. Um, that little, uh, that little, you know, stall that they do at the line um, is, is pretty infuriating. Um, Dave, as you, as you think about Wake Forest, what do you expect from UVA's defense in terms of tweaks, be that schematic or personnel, or do you think you just have to ride it and see, you know, see if guys can, can, can tackle better? Like, is, is it as fundamental as that? Or do you expect there to be some more tweaks to the knobs? I don't think you, in a six day week with all the banged up dudes you had coming out of that game, um, you know, obviously most of them seem to be healthy and good to go. I don't know how you can make any significant tweaks in a short week um, that are going to give you any more confidence than just practicing what you've been working on all fall and spring. Right. Um, give me minor. Like, I mean, having a D back would be great. Have a little more size on the defensive line. My guess is they're going to do something to try to get a little more size to like, you can't have offensive linemen getting, you know, <laughs> getting to the second level without touching another player. Right. So the defensive line's got to play better. And whether that's – like, I, I don't think they'll go to a four-man defensive line, you know, traditional four-man defensive line, even though they did that some in the second half against Carolina with kind of outside linebackers playing playing there. Um, you got to do something to, to be more physical at the point of attack. And I don't know that you could I, – I don't expect to see a massive change other than you – know, I think you've got to keep Nick Jackson in. Maybe you look at – playing you know Elliot Brown closer to the line to help out there too someone with yeah. some more size but I don't know how you can like I, I don't know in a six-day week um you're, you're going to make a significant change because look Wake Forest is very similar to Carolina just with that more that bigger pause yeah. um so if there's one advantage you kind of you're working against pretty much the same film and look they they don't have Josh Downs but they've got speed too um so I, I don't know it's so I think I'm still raw from from the effort um, it's kind of funny to me not to spin the topic, but it's kind of funny to me that, you know, we, we were all feeling so good about where they were heading. And now it's kind of like, Oh, are, do we completely suck? Or are we going to win another game? Um, <laughs> you know, and meanwhile, Carolina who gave up 600 yards of offense is now yes. being talked of as a coastal yeah. favorite. Yeah. And it's, it, essentially yeah, we're both true. in the same place. Um, so it, this week will tell us a lot more. Look, I'm not super confident the defense is going to make significant improvement, but I know they're in Scott stadium and, Look, I think they've got good pieces. I just think everyone was kind of shell-shocked and playing out of their, you know, you saw some stuff on the field you don't traditionally see when, when guys are kind of level-headed and calm. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine they what get you that would be Scott talking Stadium. about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, both ways. Look, look, you know, Joey had some unnecessary stuff going on. You know, the refs kind of let it get a little chippy without throwing flags early, I thought. Um, and it's a big robbery game. Look, this is the first time Virginia's played an opponent with, you know, in that kind of setting with fans in a very long time. So you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can get, if they can just play normal, we get level headed and play, make tackles. 
Wake Forest is going to score, but hopefully not 59. Yeah, the question, I guess, Ferber, as you look forward uh, coming out of this Carolina game is how much of what you saw is real, right? Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about, obviously, I mentioned before, you know, in the in the preseason and all, all this, about the 3-5 was options. And clearly, the idea that you're going to use outside linebackers as if they are de facto defensive linemen, it, it, it doesn't change things because they're still getting bodied. Except now there's no linebackers behind them, right? To to try to make a play. Um, I I looked at I watched when I when I watch re, I couldn't rewatch the whole thing. I'm not gonna lie. But the parts that I did rewatch, what really stood out to me was it wasn't just how how bad you know they were sort of out schemed and outplayed. It was also just to Dave's point about sort of guys losing their heads a little bit. It it felt like to me a game where Virginia went in thinking, as they talked about some during the week, right? Culture this, you know, focus, you know, physical that. And they went in, and Carolina clearly had had similar designs, right? Like, they wanted to prove, you know, their culture this and, and their physicality that. And once it started going sideways for UVA, they just legitimately could not, could not figure out how to get the train back on the track and then just try to move forward. It would, it's like they were chasing a ghost all night long. In your estimation, Ferber, what what could they possibly do with Wake Forest that sound like what looks like improvement to you, right? Because it's a, everybody's right. Everybody feels like the whole thing has just been upended because of how bad the defense played. And you're like, okay, well, what what can they do if the defense is going to be, you know, that, um, you know, that sort of outside of expectations. What does success look like for this defense against Wake Forest? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I said something after the game on Twitter about, you know, how I think we'll learn a lot about what this team is, you know, in terms of, like, how good their defense is, how what I can expect from them going forward from this coming game. Because um, Wake is good, but UVA is at home. So, I mean, like, you can't say, oh, it's a road game. They're not good on the road. Um we're going to learn a lot about what they're capable of is, is what we saw on Saturday more what we can expect, or is it more that, you know, that game was just an outlier. Um, North Carolina has so much speed and they just executed perfectly. Um, and UVA didn't play well on the road and, and maybe it's an outlier. I think it could be an, I, I hope that it's an outlier in terms of performance, just because um, even if your defense isn't great, I think, you can play a lot better than that. I, I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think they're giving up 59 points again this year. Um, and I, I could be wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe their defense is a complete train wreck and it, we just kind of didn't get to see anything from them in the first two weeks, but I think they can do better. I think they can give up less chunk plays on the ground um, for this game in particular. Wake has, it, I think there's a lot of similarities with North Carolina, which I'm sure will scare people. They have a pretty good quarterback who can throw down the field. They like to go vertical in the passing game. They have fast receivers, good running back. Um, they run some read option stuff, as we as you guys talked about with that delayed mesh thing. And then they just run some regular read option stuff as well. Um, I think for UVA, you probably, after what you put on tape last week, need to focus on putting guys down in the box and making sure that if Wake wants to beat them over the top, so be it. You know, if, if that's college football, like if a team 
put the ball in the quarterback's hands and say, Hey, if you want to beat us down the field for touchdowns, go for it. Because the truth is, and no offense to Sam Hartman, who I think is really good. Um, most college quarterbacks aren't going to consistently beat you over the top. And if you let them, they'll throw incomplete passes and sometimes they'll throw interceptions. Um, if you let a team run all over you, you're going to be in for a long day. Or if you let teams start short, you know, they're going to have a field day. I think they need to focus on getting more than five guys in the box because, you know, we talked about how the defense is aligned. They ran a lot of five man fronts really. I mean, against North Carolina where the linebackers were dropped off um, and, and they were more spread out. I think they need to put more guys in the box, make sure they, you know, at least give up a, a normal amount of running yards and not, you know, 300 um, and then let the chips fall where they may in the passing game. And, you know, if, if Wake hits a bunch of big plays over the top early, then maybe you adjust, but um, I would rather see them do that than just get a bu- gashed on the ground for play after play, because I also thought fatigue was definitely a factor in that second half because North Carolina in the first quarter had like two minutes of possession. And by the end of the game, they were almost even. Um, and, and so I think UVA is going to need to try to, get off the field, but what does success look like? I think forcing some punts, forcing a turnover here and there, um, getting off the feet, uh, getting off the field is success. I mean, even if you give up 20 something points or whatever, like it just looked like a functioning defense after what we saw on Saturday. And I think that they will. Um, and I think they will be okay on defense. I don't think they're going to be good, but I think they will be okay if they can just kind of solidify their run defense and, you know, not there's not a lot of Sam Howells on your schedule. Like you're not going to get beat over the top consistently by every quarterback that you play. So, you know, don't worry so much about that. Worry about what goes on in, in the box and try to get off the field, get some fourth downs. All right. We we've beaten the defense up um, enough for one night. Damon Brendan Armstrong had legitimately one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive performances I've seen from a Virginia quarterback literally ever. Um, now, in fairness, that's in part because Carolina's defense is suspect at best. Um, where do you? What's next for that? Right, like when you after you put up five fifty four. I mean, don't tell me five fifty five. But, but like, <laughs> I mean, can they? Can they legitimately? Is this a prop as an, bet? <laughs> can it did they, actually. It did actually close out a prop bet because I had one that was Will Brennan Armstrong of a five hundred yard total offense game. Yeah, and obviously um, did that. Damon, as you as you look forward in the in the <clears throat> in the eight ball, it, it what can they routinely just say? Okay, the entire offense is just Brendan Armstrong going ham. I mean, they had twenty one rushing yards as a team. Um, you know, it's great that Billy Kemp catches eight balls for one hundred six and a couple touchdowns. It's great that uh, my my um, Pick in perpetuity, uh, Dante Avian Wicks had seven receptions for a buck eighty-three and a touchdown, averaging twenty-six point one per reception. It, it, these numbers are great. Are they sustainable? I mean, does, is the offense basically just you know until Brennan's left arm falls off? Like, what do you what do you think about the offense and, and the sustainability aspect for them as they go into Friday night? I think they're going to continue to ride this horse for as long as they can until someone shows that they can even mildly slow it down which we have not seen once they got into that rhythm against William and Mary this offense has just been been running on all cylinders for the most part all for the last three games they got off to the bumpy start 
obviously the 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 uh the penalty stalled out the first drive uh and then the turnover and they dug themselves the hole but they were able to get their to get themselves out of it on saturday night and so i think i don't know necessarily like you start rattling off those numbers and i don't know if the, those aren't necessarily sustainable but i mean is it it's just i mean 550 by itself is remarkable but you start thinking about it, he's thrown for 300 yards in each of the first three games of the season back to back 400 yard games how sustainable is any of this and and until but I, but i also get the sense that this is what they want to do this is what dr bob wants to do he wants to get the ball move it around and and guys are getting open guys are giving brennan it's, it's really remarkable how it's just, just, I was talking to somebody about this today that how this program is just kind of remember Broncos first couple of years, it was a foundation of defense. And then you hope the offense could make enough plays and not turn the ball over and they could win a couple of games. And now it's just the complete opposite where this is just such a remarkable offensive program now with the way they found these playmakers and these athletes and put them in these roles. So I'm getting off on a tangent here a little bit. I apologize, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think I think I don't know if the numbers are going to be that gaudy moving forward, but I do think they can sustain this because guys are getting open. Armstrong's been really accurate. He's making the right decisions, and these are the things he wanted to do coming into the year, and he's doing those things, and he's doing it really well. Some of the throws on Saturday night, just sitting there in the press box, you, you're watching him running and throwing across his body on the move, and and it's right where it needs to be where only his guy can catch it. And I know his mobility is not where it they would hope it would be, and they've had to kind of factor that. And I think that's another reason why they're throwing the ball more because Brennan's not as mobile since getting hurt against Illinois. But I do think until somebody shows they can at least slow this down a little bit, they're going to continue to lean on this passing game. And with all with every good reason because this is what they want to do. And to this point, it's by and large worked really well. Yeah. I mean, if you think about sort of not just when you look, look, when you throw for five fifty four, you've obviously done a whole lot of stuff, right? No point. No, 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 uh, no joke. All jokes aside. Right. But it, the manner in which he was throwing some of these, like, yeah, Carolina's defense is, is kind of trash, but I mean, look, man, a lot of this, I think was just Brennan, being pretty good and and kind of like really asserting himself in a way that even the first two games I mean like obviously the start of that second game I mean he was he was sort of on fire but I mean we have talked for a long time and said you know multiple different ways like in a lot of ways Brennan fits the offense better than than Bryce did and you would say that and people would like you know look at you funny like hey that's that guy did you know in two years you know what it took a whole lot of other quarterbacks you know careers to try to do um but Brennan I mean he's just in another zone right now and the fact that that his that you know his mobility is not what it you know normally would be just kind of makes it all the more impressive to me so I, I, I you know I'm not really sure what to expect from him Friday night but I'm certainly interested to see how it unfolds. Um, speaking of which, let's let's get to some picks. Dave, in the preseason, you also had uh, Carolina winning this game. Um, unfortunately, you changed your pick um, going into it. Um, but you do have Virginia winning this thing in the preseason, 20-17. to 17. Um, I'm guessing you might think there might be a little bit more scoring than, <laughs> than, than, than just 37 points. What, do you, what, what are you feeling? Yeah, unless this rain, like, 
makes a makes a right turn from Waynesboro and hangs out for three or four days. I expect some points. Um, yeah, look, I think Wake's really good. I mean, fundamental. Virginia's got to play clean football. Um, it's going to be interesting. Look, Brendan was incredible. Like one of the probably, you know, if there wasn't in a loss, it would easily be the best quarterback performance I've seen passing the ball. You know, it wasn't Bryce kind of doing it all, but um, the fact that he was able to do it when Carolina knew we had to pass and they knew he couldn't really run is even more amazing. Like, you know, he's basically Matt Schaub standing back there uh, slinging from the, slinging from the pocket, but, you know, Wake's seen that film too. And I think, you know, now it's out on tape that, you know, he's maybe not as mobile as he was before. So it's going to be interesting to see how they attack him if they're willing to take a chance and, you know, put some more pressure on him um, to get him uncomfortable. And I think they will because Dave Clawson's a heck of a coach. And look, they're a solid, if not spectacular team on in every phase. Um, they, you know, Virginia, if this game was on the road, I would be really, really worried, especially, you know, six days and coming off that. But they coming home helps Virginia. Like, I wouldn't put any money on this game. I'm still very shell-shocked from what I saw from that defense. Um, I'm trying to separate. Like, when the defense is so bad that you, we spent, what, 20 minutes before we even mentioned Brennan, like, that's a bad night, right? Um, but, I mean, I think Virginia's going to figure it out. I, I, at home helps. Um, I, I'm, I may stand up and applaud if I see the punter for Wake Forest run on the field at any point, uh, just because it's been a while. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be definitely more high scoring. I, I look for Virginia to win this thing. Maybe, you know, win the turnover battle and kind of sneak out a, a closer than we like Friday night game after we can't tailgate like we like because Charlottesville sucks for weeknight games. Um, 38 to 31. Who's 38 31. All right. Ferber, in the preseason, you had Virginia win this thing 35 27. What say you now? Yeah. Uh, sounds like a pretty good score. Um, yeah, I think Wake's good. I, I think this will be the best team that Wake has played. Um, you know, they played ODU, Norfolk State, and 0-3 Florida State all at home. So I think this will be a, a tougher test for them. But, you know, Dave kind of hit it. I think I think UVA fans saw what Wake can do last year, and obviously Brennan didn't play in that game. But, you know, they can throw the ball deep. They can run the ball. They have good schemes. You know, they're going to be assignment sound. Um and they, they're not going to be as, like, explosive as Carolina probably um, in terms of what they put on the field on offense. But um, they usually – they can find ways to get big plays. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a high-scoring game at all. And, um, honestly, I'd be surprised if it's not. Uh, UVA's offense, though, I mean, they've, they've been very good. Um, and, and it's a real shame, like, what happened on Saturday kind of overshadows what they did. And, and you guys are right, Brennan. The thing that kind of impresses me the most is – that these aren't just dink and dunk 500 yard games. Like you'll see in an air raid scheme sometimes, like he's throwing some like difficult down the field throws and completing them. And, and, and his um, accuracy has been very, very good. Um, so if he can keep that up, I, I like their chances. Uh, I'll stick with the score. I'll go 35, 27. Um, wouldn't be surprised if wake one outright, they might just be very good. Um, but I think I'll go with UVA in this one at home. I think they'll bounce back and have something to prove, even though I don't expect that we're going to come out of this game feeling like their defense is like, yeah, really good. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, Damon, in the preseason, you actually had Wake win in this game 24 um, 17. Um, how yeah, do you feel? Yeah, there's going to be more points. That, there's going to be more points. That might be the <laughs> <Yeah>. halftime score, <laughs> that might be the end of the first quarter. Yeah. 
we were doing halftime scores in the, but uh yeah i don't know this is an interesting one because what 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 do we i mean i think we're gonna find out a lot about wake on friday night obviously like ferber said this is their first road game this is this is this florida state is not you hear wow they beat florida state but that's not you know i'm pretty sure this is the first team they played that doesn't win <laughs> yeah uh so yeah i mean i i i'm leaning towards staying with wake forest on this one but i obviously think it's going to be much more high scoring than i had predicted a couple of weeks ago i i'm i'm gonna say wake wins this one 38 34 uh i just I, I, I don't like the quick turnaround. Um, obviously, Wake's doing a quick turnaround, too, but they don't have as many things on their mind. I didn't like the way Bronco talked after practice today about how guys are still kind of uh, – he rattled off basically the entire spectrum of how you would expect guys to feel from embarrassed to frustrated, disappointed, angry. I think those are all words he used after practice this morning, and that, to me, I didn't get a great vibe from um but who knows i i could be reading enti- entirely too much into that but i i i think this might be a good year for wake and this is one of those wins this is one of those games where for it to go from a good year to a really good year they need and so i think they're going to figure out a way to pull this one off and i'm going to say 38 34 wake so in the preseason i had virginia winning the first three and then losing this one in typical sort of virginia fashion Maybe I was a little early with the typical fashion part because, you know, you give up a whole bunch of, of yards and, and points. Um, I I still think that the short week actually might be a benefit to them. And this is not just a, hey, let's go against the grain kind of thing. I genuinely think that sometimes rest is over, like time is overrated. And what I mean by that is, is that you sometimes can get lulled into a sense of security because you just have time. And I think in some of these situations, not necessarily all the time um, or maybe even most of the time, but in some of them, right. That sense of urgency is a good thing, right. Getting you like, you don't have a a lot of time to sort of go off and lick your wounds. Like you got to hurry up and get ready. Right. And that I think should, if, you know, if the program is where, you know, they say that it is, that's a thing that should be a benefit, right. Is it like, Yes, you, you don't have a lot of time to make a lot of changes, but you also shouldn't have a lot of time to be anywhere other than locked in. Um, that being said, I, I mean, 21-13, I'm not sure exactly what I was uh, what I was thinking when I picked that, but clearly this is going to be a lot of points. Um, is the over-under still the same? Is it still 70 and change? What is it, 70 and a half? Was that, is that it's still the... I not really seen a I lot think. of line movement on this yeah. one. I, I think there's going to be I mean I'm I'm looking at like 44 37 uh, UVA um, I I think this is the game I, I put it to you like this I'm going to pick shootouts until UVA shows me that I was <laughs> foolish right um, because I I have a lot of confidence in what I'm seeing from Virginia's offense because quite frankly there are still ways that I feel like Virginia's leaving some stuff out on the field um, and I I I don't know if 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 some of that stuff's going to come out now or later or what. I just feel pretty confident about that offense. The question you can is, make a case that they left three touchdowns on the field at least because yeah. the first well, two dri- the first sure. two the first two drives were into the Carolina territory, no points. One was in the red zone, and then obviously the one at the end of the game um, where they yeah. were at like the five. Yeah. So I mean, I just kind of think like I- I'm going to pick Virginia to win it, 
and I'm going to say, because I do think that the home field helps, and I think the sense of urgency helps. Um, but it's going to be a shootout, and they're going to have to they're going to have to hold somebody under like 24 for me to think that like some team's not going to end up scoring 40 every night. So give me 44, 37, who's, and we'll see how it all shakes out. All right, real quick, let's talk for just a few minutes about Virginia basketball and the recruiting class that Tony Bennett and company have put together. Um, I, I want to say almost in a short amount of time, though I guess technically it's not necessarily short. Um, clearly one of the better classes that he's ever had. Um, I don't think that that's you know saying anything outlandish. Um, currently fifth in the nation, four four-star kids. Um, anytime you can be in that top five, top ten discussion, it's going to be a good thing for you. Um, in the four kids that they've got, Dunn, Trout, Bond, and McKeely, uh, McNeely, sorry, the the general consensus seems to be fit, right? Like all of these dudes seem to fit exactly what UVA likes to do and exactly, you know, what they were looking for. Um, is, is the comparison to 2016 fair? And I want to ask all three of you guys this question and uh, we'll start with you, Dave. Is the comparison to 2016 fair and um, somewhat related to that? Is it realistic to look at a class going to a place like UVA national championship notwithstanding and think oh this is the group this one group is the group to get it back because and the reason i asked for that is because virginia has obviously that 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 2016 class sort of you know flooded the roster with talent but like they didn't just win the title just because of those kids i think for a lot of people they look at a class like this and like oh this is the one like you know is that is that a really is that a real option for uva basketball so first off um you know is that a fair comparison and then two, do you think that it's fair to look at this group and say, yeah, this is this is the one? It's funny you asked that question because I was going to say when you came to me, like, is it? I was going to ask you guys that same question because, like, I think I don't know if it's just because you know, as fans, we we want to kind of replicate what wanted, you know, what brought us to the the top of the mountain. Um, and it, it's easy, I think, to say, hey, well, you know, McNeely's kind of your Todd Jerome and. You know, Bond can be like a Dre, but you know, Isaac, you know, Trout is is like your Jay Huff, but look, they're not. I mean, I think it's it's fair to say it because that formula works. So if you're saying, "Hey, we think you're that talent," I don't think you're offending these guys, but it's also not fair because it's four different dudes and they have different skill sets. Um, so look, I'd be perfectly happy if they won us the title, and you know, we're comparing the next group to these guys, but. Like they're they're in they're great players each of them. Um, I mean, <laughs> anytime Virginia can put together a four like that, um, I think you're you're excited as a fan. Like I I love Trout, I love McNeely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think individually, we, we shouldn't be saying, "Hey, you're hey, you're Kyle guy or you're whatever." Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> like, I mean, these are good players. We, we should let them have their own lane. But man, we're fans. That's what we're gonna do. I mean, so I didn't really answer your question. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. That's okay. No, but you discussed it, and that's fine. Here's the reason, Ferber, why I'm prosing the question the way I am, because those direct comparisons, I personally don't think are necessarily fair. But I do think that that's a blueprint that clearly Virginia is trying to follow. They have historically they've tried to as best as they can shy away from huge classes, and I I define that as four or more. Okay, um, this group is extremely talented extremely versatile um and the way that they all fit with each other 
in, in addition to the way that, you know, the program, you know, sort of takes these types of kids, it, it's hard not to think that, like, this is the group to get them back. So on the one hand, I, I don't think it's fair to, to make such a direct comparison to 16. And at the same time, I'm like, no, no, this is the kind of talent you need to win a national championship. Like, these are the kinds of dudes that Virginia needs to get another one. Um, it's still weird to me to think that they, they actually could win another another championship as opposed to a championship. But anyway, I digress. What do, you, what do you think? Do you think it's fair? Do you think the 16 thing is fair? And, and, and what do you feel on the idea of them you know, being the ones to get them, quote unquote, back? Yeah, I think what you just said is actually kind of where I landed on it, which is um, the 16. Cl- it wasn't that the 16 class was the class that got it done just because they were the class that got it done. They got it done because they were the best class that Tony's ever had. Like, I mean, that class had Kyle Guy, who was a McDonald's All-American, Ty Jerome, who was at one point like the 38th ranked player in the class. I don't know where he ended up. Um, and then Dre, who was a top 100 player. And you added them to a culture that was already sort of there. And then they kind of took their lumps for a year before things turned. Um, and that doesn't mean that this group of guys has to be the guys that like pull the weight to win a national title because – the way that UVA won it in 2019 isn't the way that everybody wins it. Right. Where right. it's like one class of players. I mean, a lot of times it's like two guys from one class and then a freshman point guard. And obviously UVA did have a freshman point guard. Um, but, you know, and so on and so forth. Or a transfer, like, that comes in and, and makes a difference. Um, but I think that, you know, I don't know if I can say, like, oh, this is the class that's going to win them a national title. But they have the talent to do so. They have the talent to re- sort of replicate what happened in 2016. Um, or with that 2016 class, I should say. Um, and I think that they can be the core of a team that can make a lot of deep runs. And, and then it depends on how many years you get out of them. Because one of the things that sort of happened with that 2016 class is they almost overshot the mark, um, where they became better than we even thought. And then they all went pro. Um, so, I mean, you could see something like that happen with this class where it's like, oh, year three, year four, we could, you know, be right where we need to be to win the national title. But it's like, you know, Trout blows up and goes pro after his, his sophomore year or something. Um, so I, I think that this class definitely, I think these are the types of players you have to bring in if you want to consistently be very, very good. Um, and and I, I'm excited to see what they can do when they're all together. Um, but obviously at the same time, just you can't expect them to come in as freshmen and and, and be what Kyle and, and Ty and Drew, I mean, that was year three for them. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but I definitely – think there's no reason not to be optimistic about it and believe that they can be the group that uh gets them you know back to deep in the tournament damon i can't i i was looking i was scrolling our text and i was trying to find you said something about liking the dunn kid when you talk to him again for the second time um i think it was bond oh that's what you were talking yeah that's right you were talking yeah about he just that's right like, he just seems like a happy-go-lucky guy he seems like he's gonna be a lot of fun to uh to cover these next, not, not that Brian Dunn isn't. He's yeah, no, just, I got no, I ca- yeah, yeah, no, I get you, no, I get you. Leon Bond just kind of radiates this, this kind of goofball, not goofball. That might not be the best way of putting it, but he just, yeah, he's fun to talk to, and uh, it's going to be interesting talking to him these next couple of years. <sighs> um, I mean, of all the, <laughs> all the times for for them to pull four kids and stuff, the the symmetry with sixteen is is pretty perfect. Like. Jay Huff is finally out of the program, right? And they and they get these, you know, this this class. In in terms of your expectations for them, um, let's let's pivot to to that, you know, sort of uh, that sort of angle. Obviously, 
four dudes are not they can be the core of your championship run but they can't win it on their own you're, you're gonna need some pieces around them how do we feel about virginia's sort of overall picture with those four kids coming in next year um from a recruiting standpoint it's obviously huge that tony essentially went out and got the exact kids he wanted right like mcneely and Trout and Bond were by far his top three. I think what you might—I mean, maybe you could argue with a kid here or there that might have you know been sort of in that discussion. But for for all intents and purposes, they were his top three guys. Dunn, I think, showed you know pretty clearly that he was a guy that Tony wanted as well. It just didn't happen as fast or as quickly. Um, so in terms of recruiting, like that's what you want, right? You want to be able to go out there, get your get the guys you want, and get them locked up early, right. um, and but in in terms of the bigger picture, how are you feeling about sort of the the overall, you know, roster situation as they go forward with those kids sort of at the heart of it? I mean, it, it's so hard at this point, especially in this modern, because like on one hand, I think back to when that 2016 class first got to UVA, and remember it was after that 2016, after their freshman season, after the loss to Florida, when Mariel Shayok transferred when uh, Darius Thompson transferred and at the time you're looking at it and you're thinking about, well, th- is this a bad sign? What's going on with the program? When the reality was those guys saw the writing on the wall and there was no denying that these guys were coming. Uh, and, and they, they were basically getting out of the way of Kyle guy and Ty Jerome and Deandre Hunter, because they weren't going to play with those guys on the roster anyway. So it, but I mean, like, Who's, who's to say who's who's going to make that similar decision, uh, maybe even going into next year? In modern college basketball, the way guys transfer all the time. Football, too, the transfer portal. Obviously, so many of these rules have changed, and, and it's just think about how much different this UVA basketball team we're looking at this year looks compared to a year ago. Uh, I, don't, I, I just it's, – it's so hard to – I don't know. And and maybe I'm misreading things. Is Cody Statman going to be back for, for another year? Will he decide to come back for another year? Will he be done? Uh, who knows who's going to, who else is going to decide to transfer out? Uh, I don't mean to rain on the parade or anything like that, but who knows how many of these guys are going to come in here and redshirt that first year, like DeAndre and Jay Huff did in 2016. Um, talking to Ryan Dunn, he was pretty blunt about how Tony talked to him about redshirting and how he's, He's open to it. I, I didn't think to ask Leon Bond about that, but I need to check with him about something else. And I may ask him about it as well. So, but I mean, I, I do think this is obviously, this is obviously a really good sign for the program to be recruiting at this level. I know that's a really blunt statement to make, but it's an obvious statement to make, I should say, but it's, it's on paper, it's the it's right there with 2016 as the best of the rivals era at UVA Uh, four, four stars in the same class four one fifty guys in the same class. And uh, so, yeah, I it's, it's obviously cause for excitement and we'll see what it all kind of looks like when we'll get here, when they get here, I should say. And I don't know, it's, there's so many variables at play now that my head starts spinning when I even start thinking about what, like, is Kihei going to come back? For, for the bonus year uh it's my head starts spinning when i start thinking about anything beyond beyond this basketball season here because so many things can change within the next year or so 
Sorry to rain on your parade. No, with that no, 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 you're good. no, no, that's good. No, I think that's it. That's good. And it's and it's certainly worth, you know, as we wrap up here, it's it's certainly, I think, a good thing as, you know, f- everybody looks at recruiting as like almost like it's a game inside of a game. Right. Everybody wants to have the most highly rated dudes. You want to be able to say, like, you've got the X class in the country and such. Right. That's totally human. It's part of the fun of recruiting in general. Right. The, the reality, though, is that it doesn't it, it's not just, you know, you don't. <laughs> You know, you don't go out there and, and and recruit well. Ask Georgia, right? Georgia would have you know ten national championships. Um, you know, if the Bulldogs, you know, could, uh, um, you know, if it was just recruiting, right? Um, there are lots of teams that recruit well, especially on the basketball side, and it doesn't turn into championships. You need other pieces around the the really highly rated guys you get. Um, so it's good. I think it's a good it's a good time to mention that because you can sort of get wrapped up in the you know dreaming of of it all, right? The 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 kind of letting yourself sort of go on it. Um, that being said, I do think that one of the things that is interesting about this group of four is their versatility. Now, I would expect that probably one of them is going to redshirt, but in the big picture, you're talking maybe year two, year three. Um, they have, there's a lot of, of, of overlap, but not of not necessarily duplication, if that makes sense. Right. So different guys can do different things and they, they sort of uh, pick each other up and, um, and also sort of, um, benefit each other in sort of interesting ways. So how they mature and how they, you know, once they get to Mike Curtis and then once everything clicks, you know, in terms of the pack line and getting into the, to practice and stuff. I mean, I fully expect that Trout is going to end up being the guy we all thought Jay Huff was supposed to be. Um, I fully expect that McNeely will give them a lot of the kind of stuff that Kyle Guy could give them, but he's going to do it in a little bit different way. Um, Bond seems like, to me, he seems like a star. Um, I mean, I understand from a from an offensive standpoint, but sometimes, sometimes that just sort of comes with it. I mean, I don't think... You know, when he was in high school, I don't think Dre was always blowing people away. A lot of it was like his versatility and his um, potential. Um, and and I think Dunn just has a lot of intangibles. And and with his size and his skill level, you know, you can do a lot of stuff with that, especially when the other pieces look like the pieces that Virginia has in this class. I mean, there's just a lot to be excited about and certainly uh, a whole lot to look forward to um, down the road. All right. I think that is a very good place to put a pin in it for this week. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. Uh, if you're so inclined, give us a rating review. We appreciate that. Um, now, if you're somebody who found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Let's see. Right now, you can talk. Let's see. We got uh, Damon's got some baseball stuff, looking at some of the newcomers um, for fall ball. Um, Virginia pulled in a couple of uh, three-star commitments today from the McKenzie twins out in Utah. Um, you know, we got video from Bronco after practice. We've got the PFF grades. We've got film room, the three, two, one, uh, a good Q and a with, with Dunn from the other day that, that Damon did. Um, just a lot of stuff on the website that you can check out. Um, I want to say a quick thank you to, uh, Andy Ludicky and the folks over at MyPerfectFranchise.net for their support of the show and of the podcast, excuse me, and of the website. Um, so you can check them out, MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how to um, find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. So again, want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. We want to thank Dave Ferber and Damon for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. 
So, for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Yeah.